Today's verse is from 1 Samuel 8. Israel asked for a king. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served in Bathsheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, Give us a king to lead, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, This is what the Lord who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve as chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will then take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, Listen to them and give them a king. Then Samuel said to the Israelites, Everyone go back to your own town. This is the word of the Lord. Well, please keep your Bibles open as we finish up our series on 1 Samuel. Uh, from, verses, uh, from chapter 1 to 8 this morning. Well, national security has never been more important to Australia. Uh, in this year's federal budget, the Morrison government committed over $1.9 billion over the next decade to strengthen our national security, law enforcement capabilities, and ensure the security of all Australians. But even more significant was when Australia entered a trilateral security pact with the United Kingdom and the United States, known as AUKUS. Under this pact, the US and the UK will not only help Australia to acquire nuclear-powered submarines and new long-range missile capabilities for our Air Force, Navy and Army, the three nations will also cooperate on cyber capabilities, artificial intelligence, quantum technologies and undersea capabilities. Even though we're dealing with a global pandemic, national security isn't something that could take a back seat. We live in a world where tensions are escalating and the risk of a second Cold War isn't out of the question. There are tensions between the Ukraine and Russia and Europe, Afghanistan and the Taliban in the Middle East, and China and Taiwan in the South China Sea. And Australia isn't immune to these conflicts. In fact, it was only a few weeks ago when a Chinese spy ship was spotted along the coast of Australia. 
as far down as Sydney. National security has never been more important to Australia. Without adequate national security, we're vulnerable to attack and our way of life is under threat. But as national security is, is important to us in the 21st century, so national security was equally important to Israel in the 10th century BC. You might recall from the past couple of weeks that Israel is a young nation. They were surrounded by enemies, and in particular, the Philistines to the west were a particular thorn in their side. Not only were the Philistines uh, beating them on the battlefield, they were taking their cities. This carried on for over 20 years until the Israelites uh, realized what they needed. They didn't need a great military hero to fight their battles or a political diplomat to broker peace. They needed to repent and turn back to God for salvation. And when they did, the Philistines were subdued, the cities of, Israel's, of Israel were restored. We, we saw this at the end of last week's chapter, in chapter 7, from verse 13. Please follow along in your Bibles. So the Philistines were subdued and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines. The towns from Ekron to Gath that the Philistines had captured from Israel were restored to Israel. And Israel delivered the neighboring territory from the hands of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites, another neighbor. You see, Samuel was the leader Israel needed because Samuel led them back to God. And God was the one who gave Israel the security they needed. But the security Israel enjoyed under Samuel's leadership was now under threat. Not because the Philistines developed weapons of mass destruction, but because Samuel's now old and his sons were up to no good. So, chapter 8, verse 1. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. And they served at Bathsheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. The best of leaders can have the worst of sons. And unfortunately, that was the case with Samuel and his sons. Like Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, Samuel's sons, Joel and Abijah, abused their positions of power. They were takers, not givers. They didn't administer justice, they perverted justice. So once again, we find ourselves with Israel and them with a leadership crisis. The peace, security and prosperity of years under Samuel were in jeopardy. If his sons were to play a role in um, Israel's future, then Israel was going to be in trouble. And this made them feel nervous. And so the elders of Israel came up with a solution, not, not by seeking a new judge to lead them, but by demanding a new form of government. So verse 4. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Now there's irony in Israel's solution, isn't there? They've, been, they've seen time and time again that inherited leadership is bound to fail. It leads to corruption and abuse of power. They experienced it with Eli's sons, and now they're experiencing it again with Samuel's sons. Yet it's hereditary leadership in the form of a kingship that they want. Imagine a bloke named Joe. Uh, Joe loves KFC so much that he eats it every day. 
He, he's overweight and his cholesterol's high and it's going through the roof. And so his doctor says to him, you've got to stop eating KFC every day. And so as Joe's driving home, he, he reflects on his doctor's advice and he decides, okay, I'm going to listen to my doctor. I'm going to give up KFC every day. Instead he says to himself, I'm going to start eating McDonald's every day instead. Now just as Joe's solution to combat his own obesity and he, is disingenuous, so Israel's solution to combat the problem of hereditary leadership is likewise disingenuous. What this tells us is that when Israel asked for a king, they weren't trying to solve the problem of hereditary leadership, but using it as an excuse to become like the other nations. And this isn't the first time that they've wanted to become like the other nations around them. So when God rescued them from slavery in Egypt and showed himself to be more powerful and more mighty and more able than even the greatest empire of that day, instead of worshipping God with their whole heart, the Israelites made for themselves a golden calf and worshipped an idol so that they might be like the other nations. Or when God gave them possession of the promised land, they were, to they were told to drive out the Canaanites out from the land. But instead of obeying God, they adopted the corrupt practices of the Canaanites, even offering child sacrifices. They bowed their knees down before the gods of the Canaanites and became just like the other nations. And, and here, when Eli's sons Hophni and Phinehas were leading Israel astray, God quietly raised Samuel in the background to be their priest, prophet, and judge, not only to bring Israel back to God, but to continue to lead Israel in the ways of God. And now that Samuel's sons, Joel and Abijah, perverted justice, they could choose to trust that God will raise up another faithful judge in Samuel's place. But instead, they demand a king to lead them so that they might be like the nations around them once again. Time and time again, Israel keeps choosing to be like the other nations, even though God wanted them to be a holy nation. We see this in Exodus. After God rescued them from Egypt, Moses speaks to them God's words. You yourselves, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 4, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But rather than, be like, rather than being like the other nations, Israel was to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. That is, they weren't meant to worship human idols like the other nations. They were meant to worship the invisible God so that they're not like the other nations, so that they can draw the other nations to God. And so this is an important reminder for us, isn't it? Because it's not just the Israelites who have been tempted over and over again to be like the people around them. We do too, don't we? Whether that's burning incense when we participate in family tradition and excusing it as harmless, or being consumed by the need for financial security and obsessing over our investment portfolios and excusing it as wisdom. We need to remember that Jesus didn't call us to the easier life, but to carry our cross and follow him. We need to remember that Jesus said in Matthew 22, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. 
But what we've seen here is that that's not what Israel did and what we attempted not to do. God was their king. He was their great deliverer. He was their refuge and security. He saved them for himself to be his prized possession and that meant they were different because they were meant to be different. Yet they were now saying, we don't want it to be different. We want a king like the other nations, which is effectively saying, we don't want to be a holy nation. We don't want to be a kingdom of priests. To, to give you a sense of how this would have made Samuel and God feel, let me tell you a story about Matus Filikowski. Uh, in 2016, Filikowski was working at a swimming pool in Virginia in the States. On his third day on the job, he began to act strangely. So police were called to the swim center, and when they got there, they found Filikowski walking in the pool from the shallow end uh, to the deep end of the pool until his head was completely submerged underwater. And what they saw him do was that he then grabbed hold of two, uh, the, the air vents that were in the water to keep himself submerged under the water, effectively as he tried to drown himself to death. By the time the police officers and the lifeguard knew what was happening, they quickly jumped in and rescued Filikowski. They performed CPR on him and saved his life. Now, Filikowski had suffered a bipolar episode. He suffered cardiac and respiratory arrest, ended up in hospital for weeks, and ended up being transferred to a psychiatric ward as well. But a couple of years later, in 2018, instead of showing gratitude to the eight police officers and the lifeguard who saved his life, Filikowski sues them. He sues them in court for saving his life, even though he was the one who tried to drown himself. But because they saved his life, he ended up with a medical bill. And so now he was suing them for damages. Fairfax County Police Chief Edwin Rosler was in complete shock when he heard this. He said, they saved his life. He did not die. They're going to sue someone for saving your life? In a similar way, God has been Israel's king and saviour. Whenever Israel's been in trouble and they've turned back to him, God's been there to rescue them, to save them over and over and over again. But instead of showing enduring gratitude to God, they might not have sued God. They've done something worse. They dismiss God's judge, Samuel, and they reject God as their king. You just imagine how deep that rejection would have cut. In verse 6 we see, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. Which is a great thing to do, isn't it? When you're disappointed and down and out, you pray to God. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. Can you, can you hear the sadness in those words? It is me that they have rejected as their king as they have done from the day i brought them up out of egypt until this day forsaking me and serving other gods so they are doing to you when the israelites dragged the ark of the covenant out of the battle uh, to the battlefield in chapter 4 there wasn't a problem with the ark of the covenant the problem was that their faith wasn't in god but in a box 
they treated the Ark of the Covenant as a superstitious token. And the same thing is happening now. The same idolatry is happening now. When the Israelites asked for a king like the other nations, the problem wasn't the the what the problem wasn't with Israel having a king. Deuteronomy chapter 18 allows and anticipates Israel to have a king. There's no problem with kingship. The problem was that their faith wasn't in God, but in the idea of a monarchy. Throughout Israel's history, God has been their king, their source of security. But they have now rejected God as their king to seek and to find their security in a human king. Not like God, but like the other nations. And so what do you think God will do? How will God respond to his people who've just rejected him again? Well, verse 9 tells us, now listen to them. God says to Samuel, listen to them, but warn them solemnly. Let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Now that's surprising, isn't it? God is going to give them what they ask for. What this tells us is that when God gives us what we want, it isn't an endorsement to our request. He, he, it's not saying when he gives us what we want, it means that God thinks it's a good idea. Our request might appear to be completely reasonable and rational and logical and wise even, but it could be utterly godless. And so Samuel obeys God. He, he will listen to the voice of the people even if the people will not listen to his voice. And as God commanded, Samuel warns the Israelites the rights of a king. Have a look from verse 11. And notice this pattern. The king will take your sons in verse 11. He will take your daughters in verse 13. He will take your best fields in verse 14. He will take a tenth of your grain in verse 15. He will take your male servants in verse 16. He will take a tenth of your flocks in verse 17. That doesn't sound like a very good king, does it? It doesn't sound like a very good idea. They, but they want a king like the other nations, and that's what the other nations are like. The kings will take from their people, and they will take and take and take. The irony here is that the Israelites didn't like Hophni and Phinehas because they took from them. When they went to the tabernacle to offer sacrifices, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of God, took their sacrifices to fill their own belly. The Israelites didn't like Joel and Abijah because they took from them. They took bribes from them and perverted justice. Yet here, they want a king who will take and take and take and take and take from them. And this king who takes from them will not be abusing his power, will not be corrupted in taking from them, because it will be the right of the king to take and take and take from them. Yet that is what they want. Despite Samuel's warning, that is what they want. They refuse to listen to Samuel. Verse 19. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. You, you, you sense the, the senselessness in this, don't you? We want a king who keeps taking and taking and taking from us. 
then we will be like all the other nations. That's the reason why. With a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. Australia is considered one of the safest countries in the world. One of the best countries you could live in. And we know that, don't we? It's a fantastic country. With the formation of AUKUS this year and our experience of COVID over the past two years, we've, we, we've come to experience it ourselves, haven't we? That no matter how good even our governments are, whether the state or the federal government, they will never be able to provide us with the sort of security that we want. Australia will never be able to ward off a cold war on its own if it were to transpire. And even with the COVID, um, uh, 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 COVID uh, um, pandemic, we have seen, haven't we, that the security we thought we had in the freedom to be able to move has been restricted at a click of a finger. The government we have will never give what we want and the security that we need. As was the case in Samuel's day, so it is with us today. Ultimately, our security can't be found in our leaders nor in any form of government this world has to offer, but only in a king whose kingdom is not of this world. When Jesus stood before the great Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus replies in John 18, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Do you see what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, yes, I am king. But not a king like the other nations. For his kingdom is not of this world. You see, the gospel that Jesus preaches calls us to follow a king who's worth following. For his kingship is altogether different from the leaders of this world. Unlike the kings, like the other nations who take and take and take, Jesus stood before Pilate as he's about to give and give and give and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus is the kind of king you want and he's also the only king of his kind. Israel rejected God as their rightful king so that they could find security in a human king like the other nations. And so, friends, we must learn from their mistake and not let history repeat itself. Let's submit to Jesus, who was born into this world 2,000 years ago, to be the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Prince of peace, of the kingdom that is not of this world. And so as this year comes to an end, and as we take time off work, maybe it's a great opportunity for us to reflect on our past year and pray for the year to come. Has 2021 been a year where we've lived like the people around us? Where we've made decisions to be like the people around us? What will we do to live for Jesus in 2022? How might we take steps to live for Jesus with all our heart, soul, 
mind and strength so that we will worship the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Prince of Peace until he returns to bring us home.